Hello, and welcome to this special edition of Plotting Possibility. All this week, I will be reading to you my book, Reflections of the Resurrection. This book is written to take you through Holy Week and prepare your hearts for Easter. Thank you for joining me. If you would like to follow along with me as I read, you can purchase this book on Amazon for only 99 cents. That will get you the digital copy so you'll receive it immediately, and you can download it onto your phone, Kindle, or any other digital device. The link to purchase this book can be found in the show notes, which will take you to my blog, Plotting Possibility. If you'd like to search on Amazon, the easiest way to get to it is through my name, Rebecca J. Berry. Thank you. Today's reading is quite long, so in the book I have it designated for Thursday and Friday. So you can either um, use this for a day to catch up or maybe listen to this twice because I think listening to it is a bit different than than reading it but in any case here we go Thursday and Friday Peter neither my brother Andrew or I had really ever thought we would be anything other than fishermen it was what we knew and what we had been trained to do but then Jesus called Andrew and me to follow him to become as he said fishers of men I've sometimes wondered why he chose me I'm not very scholarly, and in the interest of full disclosure, I tend to be impulsive. I don't really feel like I have much to offer Jesus. And he's not just any rabbi either. In fact, he's not like any rabbi, priest, or prophet any of us have ever seen. John the Baptist knew it from the start, and it wasn't long before the rest of us caught on that Jesus was the one the prophets had been talking about. Jesus of Nazareth was actually the Son of God. But just because I knew that to be true didn't mean I understood what it all meant. He told the twelve of us time and again that the Son of Man had come to die for the sins of the world. Jesus told us that he'd be resurrected in three days. It seems so clear now that we're on the other side of it, but beforehand, leading up to this, I didn't get it. And honestly, I didn't want it. Who would? Who would want to see their leader and dearest friend be arrested, unjustly tried in the courts, and then given a criminal's death on a cross? No one, and definitely not me. I told Jesus that, and he rebuked me sharply. He told me that thinking more about the things of man than the things of God put me on the same side as Satan himself. I wasn't trying to get in God's way as if I even could. I just didn't want Jesus to suffer and die. I love him. That's why when he told us at the Passover supper that one of us, one of the twelve, would betray him that very night, I refused to believe it. And I insisted that I would never do such a thing. In fact, that I was prepared to die for his sake rather than betray or deny him. Jesus looked me in the eye and told me that I would deny him three times that night before the rooster crowed. I still thought it was impossible. After the Passover supper, Jesus took James, John, and myself to the Garden of Gethsemane so he could pray. 
It's a beautiful place, and we often came there together. We were meant to stay awake and keep watch, but we kept falling asleep. Such a simple request from him who had done so much for us, but we failed him. Then, just as Jesus had said, Judas came to the garden with soldiers to arrest Jesus. Still wanting to protect Jesus from what was ahead, I drew my sword to defend him. Even in this moment of betrayal and injustice, Jesus told me to put away the sword and reminded me that he had to drink the cup before him. He told me that this moment was coming, that he had come here to die for our sins, my sins. And when the moment came, he was ready, and I was not. I followed them to the courtyard of the high priest Caiaphas. A servant girl recognized me and asked if I was one of Jesus' disciples. I panicked. I said that I wasn't. Then I moved to the fire where some of the guards were warming themselves. I hoped I wouldn't be noticed there, for they asked me if I knew Jesus. Again, I denied knowing him. Then it turned out that one of Caiaphas's servants had been in the garden. He saw me there in the courtyard and said that he had seen me with Jesus. I insisted that I did not know Jesus. Seconds later, a rooster crowed, and Jesus turned to look at me. My heart broke when I heard that rooster. Jesus had told me I would deny him, and I had been just so sure of myself that he was wrong and I was right. And Jesus is never wrong. He knows me better than I know myself. Most of us went into hiding right after the arrest and trial. The mob was terrifying, and there was no telling what the Sanhedrin would do next. Truth be told, I was hiding also because of my shame. I had to deal with the fact that the last time Jesus looked at me, I was denying I even knew him. And then he was led away to die for my sins on the cross. It was too much to face. But I should have known that wasn't the end. Not the end of Jesus and not the end of my story. He had told us that he would rise again in three days. And yet when the third day came and the women discovered the empty tomb... I didn't understand. John and I even went for ourselves and saw the cloth he'd been wrapped in, but no Jesus. It wasn't until Jesus appeared to the eleven of us remaining disciples in the upper room that I could grasp what the scriptures had foretold and what Jesus himself had predicted. Although he had come to die in payment for our sins, death could not hold him, and Jesus is alive. My story gets even better as if salvation wasn't enough. Jesus appeared again to some of us at the Sea of Tiberias this morning, and I will treasure this day for the rest of my life. We spent last night fishing, but we didn't catch a single fish. Exhausting work with no reward. When the sun came up, there was a man on the shore. He asked us if we'd caught anything. We said no, and he told us to put the net on the right side of the boat. Lo and behold, the net filled with fish. John was the first to say it, but we all knew it was Jesus at that moment. Immediately, I jumped into the water to swim to shore. I told you, I'm impulsive. When we were all on shore and the fish were counted, Jesus cooked us breakfast. We ate bread and fish, just like the times he fed the crowds. Only the miracle this time wasn't feeding a multitude from a little 
It was feeding our souls from his riches, especially mine. When we finished eating, Jesus pulled me aside. He asked me if I loved him. Without a thought, I answered him, Yes, Lord, you know I do. He told me to feed his sheep. Two more times he asked me if I loved him, and I kept telling him, Yes, Jesus, you know all things. You know I love you. Honestly, it hurt that Jesus kept asking me if I loved him. But after the third time he asked and I answered, I got it. I had denied him three times. Now he was giving me grace to three times declare my love for him. What's more is that three times he commissioned me to feed his sheep. That means he still has use for me. Me, impetuous, cowardly, dense Peter. He wants me to feed his sheep, to care for his flock, to do his work. My story doesn't end in my denial of Jesus of Nazareth. Instead, I get to tell the story of how Jesus the Messiah came to make things right for all of us. Salvation is found in no one else, only in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Anyone who turns away from their sin and denial and turns to Jesus instead will be saved. I suppose I finally understand that this is what he meant by fishers of men. Thank you for joining me on this special episode of Plotting Possibility. Again, if you'd like to purchase your own copy of Reflections of the Resurrection, simply go to Amazon and search my name, Rebecca J. Berry, or go to the show notes and you'll find a link that will take you straight there. I am praying for you this week as you draw closer to Jesus.